0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hey, it's you, Sparky Piper at 12:50 a.m. The fan, along with Hello. Nathan Marzian, I'm a super fan, follow him on Twitter, and Nathan Marziani you can follow me at Sparky Radio. And uh, lots to get to today. Obviously, uh, after the Bucks' huge collapse uh, in the fourth quarter in Toronto. On Wednesday evening, the Bucks win 104-101 uh, over the Raptors uh, in overtime. Giannis in that game. 30 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, uh, a big game for Giannis. Five different Bucks reach double figures. Bobby Portis with another double-double, 14-12. Uh, and 12. But really, yeah, at the end of the day, the question is, what do you take away from the Bucks' fourth-quarter collapse uh, against the Toronto Raptors? And to set this up uh, correctly, the Raptors trailed the Bucks 90 to 69 with 3:07 left to go uh, in the fourth quarter. Toronto outscored Milwaukee 28 to 7 over the final 3 minutes uh to force the overtime. Nathan Marzian, your thoughts.
2: It was obviously a like it left a bad taste in your mouth and I'm I'm very happy they still got the win cuz if they had lost I think it would have been, you know, 100 times worse than it is right now of people just freaking out and it still sucks. It was I mean, I've never seen a team be down 20 something with, you know, under 4 minutes to go, close to 3 minutes to go and you know, force overtime and it was a combination of you know, Bud took out some the guy the the starters briefly and all of a sudden they hit two quick threes and got to 15 and then Bud puts him back in, there's a 5 second call, there's some turnovers, there's the Grace Allen um foul and turned into like a 6 point possession. Then Bobby Portis gets fouled. They don't call it. Like it was a combination of some officiating, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and complain about the officials too much because at the end of the day, it's a 21 point lead with three minutes left. There's no reason for the game to be close. No excuse for that. But at the same time, there were some. I mean, there were some questionable things going on down the stretch. That like the Bobby Portis thing. I have no idea how that wasn't a foul, and let alone. I mean, we weren't even the last team to touch the ball. But they
1: they admitted right? after the game, the ref after the game said that he missed it. Yeah. I, yeah. It, that should have been a foul right after the game. When he talked to the reporters. Yeah. I missed that one. Yeah. We looked at it and yeah, that should have been a foul. didn't even have to wait for a two minute report. He said it right after the game. And it's like, I, I
2: mean, again, I, at
1: least they admit it, but at the same time,
2: I mean, it was so obvious. It wasn't like, there's some fouls that you're like, Oh, you know, when you look at this angle, it's a lot worse. like this, this was just a blatant, they were basically trying to foul. They had to foul, and he just goes up and pushed him out of bounds. And it's like, They're what they're saying. It's Raptors ball. Like what is going on? And again, not to mention the ref is standing right there and you can see the ball goes off of the Raptors last, you know, not only was there a foul, but it went off the Raptors last. And of course they go out and hit a three with 0.8 left and force overtime. But again, you know, as much as I don't want to give the bucks any props towards the end of that game, it is nice that they were able to recover from that and still win the game. Grayson hits the big three late. Um, So I guess I'll say, give him props for that. But obviously it just, it was something we saw when that bulls game last Wednesday, the or the Wednesday before that, um, where they blew a lead late and basically let one get away and lost. And, you know, it's frustrating to not see them able to close out games. This is where they miss Chris Middleton the most. And again, especially when you don't, you know, you don't have drew how out there either is you just, who are you going to rely on to close games when they just swarm Giannis and you just don't have those guys to be able to put them away. We saw it in that bulls game. Grace and Alan could not hit a three to put them away last night. It's like, they just, they don't have the guys that you can rely on down the stretch. That's where, that's where Chris comes in handy. And we've seen him in clutch moments, you know, be so good.
1: What about Grace and Alan and the technical foul uh, on uh, Grace and Allen where uh, the ball wasn't anywhere close to where he was slapping. Uh, and originally it looked like he uh, hit the dude in the nuts. Um, I don't think he did. I think he hit him in the thigh. Now he may have been, aiming for the nuts when he went to, to go kind of go do that, whatever the hell he was doing. Cause he was definitely not going for the ball. So to me, and I, I put it on Twitter, like Grayson's just going to be Grayson. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to say about this. Y'all can live in your delusional world that, Oh, Grayson's not a dirty player. Oh, Grayson, oh, that's, that was an accident. He wasn't trying to do it, man. This dude is who he is at this point. He's going to do dumb stuff like this. And you're just going to have to live with it. And to his credit, he came back and hit a big three later. Uh, that the Bucks needed at that point. And I just think as uh, as a teammate of this dude, you know what you have. You know there's going to be situations that you're going to have to deal with. You now, was it egregious? Did he punch the guy in the face? No, he didn't punch the guy in the face. Uh, did he trip a guy, you know, old school? Uh, no, he didn't trip a guy. But that, that, to me, as a fan, at home, on my couch, watching the Bucks in Toronto on ESPN, looked to me like he was trying to nutshot that nutshot that dude. That's what it looked like to me i I hate having always defend Grayson sound like I'm defending Grayson. A lot of people defend Grayson if you, but,
2: but if you look at the play right before he goes to swipe,
1: the guy has the ball at his waist in real time. Nathan, I'm sorry, even if you couldn't see that ball still was never going to be there. What did he think he was going to do? Hold the ball like this and walk around with it in front of us for five minutes? What did he think was going to happen? He had the the ball and Grayson was going to just swipe at it. The ball was up by his face by the time Grayson's arm started to move. No, look at look at the play. Oh, I watched the replay three times. I'm telling you, there is no way. And I knew this was going to happen. That people make excuses for this dude because they're Bucks fans. But if you weren't a Bucks fan and you were watching this dude and that he was playing your team, I'm telling you right now, you'd have the exact opposite view. I'm trying to keep it real, knowing what this dude is. I'm 100 sure. I'd have you know. I'd be much more.
2: I wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt. But in being a Bucks fan, I will. And being a Bucks fan, I mean, again. I have yet to see something that looks – I don't think yesterday's was intentional. I don't think it was intentional. I think he's going for the ball at first, and then the ball moves, and so his hand does not hit the ball and hits the guy. And again, it wasn't even – Hit him in the the thigh or whatever it looked like, yeah. There's nothing egregious. They, again, it's nothing to freak out about. But since it's him, they're gonna go crazy. I, and That was an instant replay too. They went and looked at it, and, and then, then they called still it. called it a flagrant. Well, of I course they
1: did because the ball was long gone by the time he started moving his hand. I mean, it was no, clear it was, as day
2: when he moves his hand. The ball had just moved from the from right. that guy's waist when he moves his hand. So
1: look at it. Go look at it. I did look at it. I watched the replay. Like I said, three times, like there's, there's not going to convince me that, the, that that wasn't intentional either way. It doesn't matter. And all I'm saying is from this perspective, as the season goes on and he continues this type of stuff, like this is going to be a thing. So if he's still on this team after the trade deadline and you get into the playoffs, just be ready for possible technical possible, pushing and shoving based on something he does, because this whole grace and Allen thing is starting to spark up now again around the league again. It just is. And you've had the bulls incident. Now you've had this incident. It's going to be a thing around the league where guys are talking to me and like, better watch that dude, man. He's going to try and get his, his shot in when nobody's looking, whatever the case may be. And to me, I don't think it's going to cost him a game, hopefully cross your fingers, Uh, but it's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with. And as, as long as he's hitting threes, like you said, you're willing to deal with it. But if, if he's not hitting his threes and he's not adding else, anything else on the floor, does he still belong out there? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're getting Marjan Bochamp some run now. We just talked about that uh, on the last podcast. He got some run. Uh, and I, I don't know. Like, there, there was a report out today that really was fake in my mind. The The, the lead story was, ah, oh, you know, Bucks could be potential suitors for Bojan, Bogdanovich, or whatever. So I click on it to read it. And all it is is saying, if Detroit... Um, moves Bojan Bogdanovich, the Bucks would make sense since they pursued him before to be a possible team that would go after him. That's all it was. But people don't yeah. click on the story. People just read the Twitter headline and then they roll with it and whatever. So again, the likelihood of that happening uh, is slim to none, I would imagine, for the Milwaukee Bucks to be able to pull that off. And people are going, well, why? You know, Detroit would make sense. He's an older player. Why would you want to keep him? Because they need a vet for all those young guys. They just gave him an extension. To keep him, he agreed to stay on and and mentor Cunningham and some of these other young dudes in Detroit. Like it would make sense to me that Detroit would keep him around. Now, maybe they will trade him eventually at some point. Uh, would he make sense for the Bucks? Yeah, I, I I think Bucks fans would be excited if they ended up with Bogdanovich at the end of the day. I'm sure I'm assuming Nathan would be excited, but would it cost you Bochamp uh, in the process and a and a future pick or two or something like that? I don't know. That's the thing is they're not. Number one, I like Bogdan more than I like Boyan
2: Bogdanovic personally. I, Boyan's a nice scorer, but he, he, he doesn't defend well. I feel like he's another guy that late in a playoff game and in a playoff series, there's, I like Grayson. He can, he can score. Yeah. And I, I, I'm out on Grayson. I mean, I was just going to say before we started getting into Bojan, I was going to say, you know, cause you said, if Grayson's hitting his threes, you can live with, you know, the stuff he does outside of that. I, he should be off the team by the trade deadline. I don't, I do not want him on the team, you know, come playoff time it was further confirmed last night yes he hit the big shot but was bad before that he still just does not look very good out there um make some bad decisions and and hasn't been good on the drive so I'm I'm still just very out on Grayson and I'm hoping that they upgrade that spot
0: okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you
2: nothing like again there's nothing of substance to that Correct. report it's not like this is actually a thing but i have seen his name out there a little bit and he, he's averaging like 20 this year but they're not going to get rid of him for our scraps like if 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 you if you're getting Boyan, this isn't like oh we can get rid of war a hill and a pick like that's not going to happen um you're going to have to get rid of someone at least you know pretty decent you're gonna have to get rid of a first rounder in the future at least so i don't know to me i i don't I don't love him on the books. I don't dislike it, but I, I'm I'm not out here trying to get him super badly. And yeah, i but but the bottom line is they do need to upgrade that grayson spot.
1: Yeah, no, no question about it. What about Holzer? How critical are you of Holzer after last night's game? Because as usual on social media, people wanted Holzer fired after last night's game, like they always do. Uh, thoughts on Holzer's performance as a coach? I mean, there's good and bad to it up until those last three minutes.
2: You're going, you know, you're looking at that game and it's like, you know, 21 point win against a, you know, Toronto team that although they've struggled a lot this year, they always go, you know, they always play Giannis stuff, They play superstar stuff. They play good defense. It's on the road. And you're looking, you're like, that's a, that's a pretty impressive win without, without, you know, Chris, Drew, Ingles, George Hill, pretty, pretty impressive win. And Giannis wasn't, you know, Giannis had, they had tons of turnovers and they still were able to, to what looked like was going to be a convincing win. And those last three minutes happen. And again, it's like, oh, you know, they, you just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it's, I, I'm not, I'm not at all. I'm, I'm in the middle with Bud. I'm not at all on the fire, Bud. Get rid of him. We're never winning another championship. I don't even, you know, I hate the people that say we won a championship, you know, despite him, not, not because of him. Cause he was such a big part of that championship run too. He made adjustments. He proved to us that he could do what we didn't think he could do, which was, you know, adjust within a series and really outcoach other teams' coaches in a playoff run, which he did. Um, and I think people don't – some people, maybe they don't pay quite a- attention to the adjustments he made and stuff, and they just say, oh, well, he just won the championship because Giannis was this good. No, he won a championship because he made some good adjustments in the series. You know, you don't go from down 2 to the Nets, losing by 50, to winning the series without any type of adjustments from the coach. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I'm still in the middle. Like, I, I'm not – I don't love Bud. I've been frustrated with things he's done. I think, you know, the the rotational stuff. Play Marjan more. Like, why every time he comes in, he does good things. It seems like he's playing well. Um, you know, he's been better than several of our rotation players, and it just it feels like he's still going to be stubborn and not play him when the team's fully healthy. Like it takes Ingles, George Hill, Chris, and Drew all being out for him to finally kind of give Marjan the the minutes he should in the first quarter and the second quarter and. Um, it's like that shouldn't take that much, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you, we talked about this in the last podcast. If you missed it, we did a whole thing uh, on March on Champ in the last podcast and it's playing time and so forth. Go back, download it wherever you're listen, listening to this right now. Obviously you found us, whether it be Odyssey, Spotify, uh, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And, and again, we record on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we post them on Wednesday and Friday mornings. So you can go back and listen. And obviously the Thursday one, you got all weekend to listen to the th- uh, to the Thursday one. So make sure to check it out. Tell your friends, tell your family members the whole deal. Uh, let, let's talk about the uh, last two-minute report, shall we? Uh, should the NBA simply stop doing it? Uh, because I feel like fan bases are getting more and more upset uh, the more and more these referees uh, are being called out on making mistakes in the last couple of minutes. Uh, you and I, and seemingly everybody is on the Kings bandwagon now, Um, And I know for sure, following a lot of those people on Twitter, they've about had it with the last two-minute report because they continuously are getting screwed in in late-game situations. And I know there are other teams around the league that think they're getting screwed on a consistent basis as well. And then what's happening is now you have casual fans saying, these referees are worse than ever because they're being transparent and they're telling you, yeah, we screwed up. Yeah, we we screwed up in the last couple of minutes. And yeah, we cost your team a game. Sorry, nothing happens. and, And we move on. So either it's going to be you're going to have the last two-minute report and you're going to get fined for it, or there's some type of consequence for this referee. Maybe that's how how you take care of this. Because right now, I think the common fan says, great, you told us you screwed up. There's no consequence for you. And my favorite basketball team lost. Like, I don't think this is beneficial to the NBA at this point. I,
2: I don't have a problem with it, but I do think that you know, like you said, if there's an if there's some egregious calls that they go back and say we we got this wrong, there should be there should be consequences for that. You should be fined or you should be
1: like Bobby Portis,
2: yeah, like that type of thing where it's like it was blatant and they come out right after and say, yeah, we were wrong. like that's something that shouldn't just be a oh, okay, too bad. you know, okay, we move on it, it and it's like there's we're telling you it's wrong, but there's nothing you can do about it. Like there should be some type of either the, you know, the ref gets suspended for one game or something like that. Just some type of punishment that you know, because that way you can point to the two minute report. You can look at, go back and say, you know, this is proof that that was wrong, and this he's going to get punished for it. There's a result as uh, you know, something that comes from it. Or, I mean, I've seen them people say like they should have the refs do interviews after the game, be be questioned on their calls. And well, stuff the like ref, that.
1: the ref does meet the head ref brothers. I think it might have been last night. Whoever it was. Ah uh, does meet with the reporters after each game. They do meet with the referees. That's how the Bobby Portis information, I believe, okay. came out. Was in that that little pool thing or whatever else. So there is, they do have that opportunity to t- talk to a reporter or whatever after the game. Yeah, I do like that because I mean, there's times where it's like, yeah, you can come out
2: a day later and say whatever you want, but not have to actually answer any questions about it. Like they should be questioned as well as players do if they make a mistake sure. or if there's some. You know, players have to face the heat. They should have to face the heat. They should be held accountable and yeah, like I like you said, I think there should be some type of punishment um that they can't just do this and kind of not have to face any type of backlash for it and be able to continuously do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I i I mean, the way it is right now, I still don't have a problem with the two minute report because at least you get the clarification, not that it not that it necessarily matters, but there's times where it kind of, I don't know, sometimes it can help fans with a rule or something where if you're like, that's blatant. And then they come out and say, well, no, that actually was the correct call because of this, this, and this, that can be beneficial for a fan to know that, Oh, I didn't know that that was the, how that rule is or whatever. Um, and then there's the ones where, you know, you, you at least get that clarification of, Oh, it actually was incorrect by the rule. It actually was correct by the rule. And there doesn't have to be all these debates about, well, Oh no, that actually, you know, you know, the ref came out, the the league came out and said it was incorrect or correct. So at least there's that.
1: All right, let's move on to the next topic. Giannis and Drew Holiday versus Giannis and Chris Middleton. Which combo do you prefer uh between those two? This comes from Nathan Marzion, uh, who tweeted out I did not earlier tweet today. Huh? I did not I did not bring up this. No, you didn't bring this up, but you brought up what led me to this question, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which okay. is you brought up the the top two combo, the top uh two-player combos in the NBA right now. Uh, and Giannis and Drew are at the top 25 games. Uh, 68 uh, winning percentage, a net rating of plus 7.8. Next uh, is Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown uh, at 34 games. They have a net rating of 5.2. Uh, then KD and Kyrie, 28 games with a plus 4.5 net rating. Uh, and beating Hardy are only 18 games. That doesn't count. Uh, and then Mitchell and Garland for Cleveland, 27 games uh, with a plus 2.3 uh, net rating at this point. So Giannis and Drew, because there hasn't been Middleton, uh, a, a pretty good winning combo at this point. Uh, and obviously surrounding cast go along with that, whatever your surrounding cast is with your two best players. So we should not overlook that. But it, it led to me to, to kind of come up with this question. Because I feel like, and I got more of it last night on Twitter. Hey, what can they get from Middleton and trade Middleton and his bum knee? Because obviously he's never coming back. So let's just move on from Chris Middleton. They need a better player to help Drew and Giannis. So I, I got that last night on my Twitter. And I know everybody's been getting it. Whether you're Eric Name or you or whoever, Jim Orzarski. Everybody's getting the, the Middleton dislike from um, several fans on social media. So Giannis and Drew versus Giannis. Uh, and Middleton, which combo do you prefer? Now again, this is when healthy, Nathan Marzian. First off, I don't want to have to
2: choose because we do have all three, but um and also I want to say that just really quick clarify that tweet that I put out that wasn't the the top duos by net rating, but it was just I took the the best duos from the best teams and basically sure. compared them. So it yeah, wasn't like works. yeah, yeah. Just just to clarify, like the Bucks aren't number one, but they were among That's damn the, good though yeah, they were, they're really good. They're right up there. When, when on the court, Giannis and drew this year have been just as good as, you know, Tatum and Brown and Haiti Kyrie, if not better. Um, and again, something that I think is important because people act like those other teams are just humming and you know, we can't hang with those guys. It's like when we have our guys, we're completely fine. And this is even without Chris, but and
1: Boston is not humming right now. By yeah.
2: The way. Boston's been struggling, but people, you know, again, I don't, I don't Bucks fans would be freaking out and acting like it's the end of the world. And I feel like they still just see Boston as this team that we're not as good as, and it's like, no, they're, they're flawed too. But anyways, if I had to pick, I'm, I'm, oh man, I'm going to still say Giannis and Middleton. I feel like I hate, I mean, again, I don't like picking because we have all three. I don't really feel like I need to, but Giannis and Middleton gives you, you know, you get the defense from Giannis and you get the offense from Chris. Um, So I think you get a little bit of both there and just that ability for shot creation that Middleton has, that I think is so important. Drew, you could argue is the more, you know, the more important player for the Bucs overall than Middleton when, you know, when you can look at both ends of the court and how we've been with him on the court compared to off the court and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think if I'm picking a duo, I'm still taking Giannis and Chris.
1: That's good. Good job, Nathan Mars. Yeah. Cause that's what I was doing too. I was going Giannis. In uh, Middleton uh, as well, and part of the reason I did this was just to see kind of reaction that we're going to get when people listen to this, to see how many people would go Giannis and Drew over Giannis uh, and Middleton, since there's so much dislike out there for Middleton right now. But
2: I was going to say people, people. I mean, this isn't just right now. The people just don't love Chris because he's a little bit of an. I, I he's not as flashy or athletic or whatever, and you know, isn't the the best defender in the world or anything like that, but. I think people just lose sight of how effective he really is. People, people, there's so many people I know that just are like, Drew's better than Chris. He's, you know, it's, he's our second best player, 100%. And it's like, come on, you know.
1: Okay. So l- let's have this conversation because you kind of hinted at it, but you didn't make the statement. Drew's a more complete player than Middleton as far as he, he defends better. He, you know, you know, again, they're different. He's a point guard. Middleton's out of point guard. So you have to understand what positions they play. Um, uh, But I think his vision is better. Um, And overall, Middleton has him in the scoring standpoint, right? He's a better scorer. He can get his points far uh, quicker and easier uh, than Drew Holiday can. He's a better offensive player. But if you say overall, um, I I would say Drew Holiday is probably the more complete player over Chris Middleton. For this question, to go with Giannis specifically, I I think it's, for me, it's Chris Middleton. Uh, Even having said that, Drew Holiday is the the, the more complete player. I I just think because of what you said, and I think you're 100% right, because Middleton does have the ability to create his shot a little bit more uh, than everybody else on this team. The ability to hit the three-point shot more consistently than mostly everybody else on this team uh, as well right now. So he can spread the floor. He can be the guy that can create for Giannis or create for others when Giannis is on the bench. I think Middleton is just a huge, huge piece uh, to this Bucs team, and that's why you know if, if for whatever reason, Middleton decides I'm out and he's leaving, that is going to be a huge, gigantic hole for this Bucs team to try and fill, regardless if. If you have Giannis or not, that's going to be a problem. And you can say, well, with Giannis and Drew, we're doing just fine, right? We're sitting here, a second seed might win the one seed even without Middleton. Uh, it'll be okay at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But Middleton just provides so much. And like Marzian has been saying for weeks on this podcast, if Middleton is in there in, with his Bucks team and healthy and is normal Middleton, they win uh, the Eastern Conference and probably go win the title uh, as well at the end of the day. And I agree. I mean, he is that important uh, as that sidekick to Giannis. And because they play together so long, they know each other so well as far as who's going to be where and what situation and where each guy likes getting the ball in different situations and so forth. And, you know, this guy struggles defending this way, so I know i got to help over here or whatever. That also is a huge benefactor, Nathan.
2: Yeah, Chris is an awesome number two. Like, when you talk about who could you realistically get for Chris that could be as good, if not better as a number two to Giannis. Like there's really nobody in the league you could make. I mean, there's guys like, like the only guys I would say are maybe like a Paul George because he can play both ends really well. He's a, you know, a better scorer. He's a better player than Chris. And I think he's not, you know, the thing about Chris too, it's like, he's not selfish. He's not trying to be the number one. He accepts his role as the two. He accepts that he's a, you know, he comes second to Giannis and, he just plays his role so well. He's not a, and and again, you need someone who's not a negative defender, which Chris is not. He's a, he's a neutral, slightly positive defender usually. Um, and obviously he's going to be inconsistent. Sometimes we've talked about that. That's the reason he's not a superstar is because he's, you know, not putting up 25 to 30 a game. Um, he, there's going to be nights where he's off, but yeah, he's just such a perfect number two, both with how he plays on the court and, you know, what he, his desires, as far as his role and everything like that and not needing to be have the spotlight, it's there's not many other guys you could ask for that would be better in that role.
1: And the other thing that people lose sight of, and I feel like this has become a Chris Middleton segment, which I'm fine with, uh, back when I did Bucks post postgame shows, every once in a while, I'd have a Chris Middleton appreciation night where you can only call up and say positive things about Chris Middleton. And I I always thought every time I did, I was like, we're going to get nobody to call up. We'd always have full li- full phone lines and people saying great things about Chris Middleton. So he does have a fan base. Just the negative people are louder on social media than the positive yeah. people are. That's kind of life in general, though, in all aspects. Uh, but the other thing about Middleton is we've seen Drew Holiday on another team before he came here. So you know what he looks like there is a part of me that would be intrigued to see what he looks like somewhere else. You know, if if you put Middleton with Harden and Embiid in Philadelphia, what, what, what does Philadelphia look like? Do they become all of a sudden the team to beat if it's Embiid, uh, Harden uh, and Chris Middleton uh, in Philadelphia? If you take Chris Middleton and put him with LeBron and Anthony Davis, how much better are the Lakers immediately by putting Middleton onto that team? Like you take Chris Middleton, off of Milwaukee, and you just plop them into different scenarios, like, say, Denver. How much better uh, is Denver if if they end up with Chris Middleton? Uh, Sacramento. How much better is Sacramento if they end up with Chris Middleton? I think Middleton is a huge upgrade and a potential game changer for a lot of different teams in the NBA at the end of the day, Nathan, if he was dropped into their team.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, again, I mean, it's, it's because – He's not gonna hurt you defensively. Like he's not a bad defender. As a lot of these score first type of players are, they usually like a like a Bradley Beal or someone like that, where sure they can fill it up, but they're gonna be really bad defensively. They're not really a winning player. Chris is a winning player. He's a guy that can, you know, positively impact both ends. And, you know, again, is gonna accept his role, not try to do too much. I also, you know, have wondered what he'd look like on a bad team. Like again, in that Bradley Beal type of spot. Like could he be a 26, 27 point per game score. If he basically had a team to himself. And I, I do think so. The efficiency wouldn't be that good. He'd still have his bad nights and sure. everything. He wouldn't be a, a, a superstar superstar. But I mean, again, you look at the, the, the stats are out there of him with Giannis off the court the past, like four years. I think he's averaging close to 30 points per 36 minutes yep. Which so it's like, He's. I mean, he's shown plenty of times that when you know when Giannis off the court, he can carry the load. He can go get his buckets offensively. So again, that that's something I've wondered too. Is just you know how would he play in other situations? But I hope we don't have to see it. I hope he can stay on the box.
1: All right. Last topic. Something we uh, talked about on Twitter. We both tweeted it out uh, after watching the NBA last night on ESPN. Uh, Mark Jones, J.J. Reddick, Richard Jefferson. I I wanted to do this topic. Uh, and I, I said originally when I put it out, who are your favorite national NBA announcers? You know, ESPN, TNT, NBA TV, whatever you want to say. Um, Nathan added in least favorite when he put out his tweet today. So we kind of got both both sides of it. I, I had a lot of people tweeted at, at Nathan Marziano and at Sparky Radio, and, and we'll read some of these here for you. I, I'm just going to say this. I wanted to throw something at my TV set watching that game. Like, first of all, uh, of players I've disliked uh, watching in the NBA and players I just don't like in general, on court, off court, JJ Redick has got to be close to one, right? I mean, there's no question. I couldn't stand him as a buck and I haven't couldn't stand him since he's been a buck and I really don't like him with all of his views off the court now. Just drives me nuts, can't stand him. So he's on there, didn't like that. And then I get Richard Jefferson and to be honest with you, I don't I didn't have a problem with Richard Jefferson here. I thought he played well for the Bucs and was a good teammate. Like, I didn't have a lot of issues with Richard Jefferson. But just his whole take, like it was, and again, I'm being a Bucs fan, I'm being a homer here. I get it. It just felt like an anti-Giannis broadcast, the entire freaking broadcast. And it was driving me absolutely crazy. I felt like Mark Jones was the only one kind of giving him credit for anything. And these other two were hell bent on making sure that he wasn't going to wasn't going to get a, a lot of credit uh, at the end of the day. I don't know what you think.
2: I yeah, I really like Mark Jones. I've always liked him. Um I didn't I didn't hate those other guys as much as you you obviously do. No. Um Reddick I don't I I don't really dislike him that much. I think he at least is real with his takes. I feel like like when he's on these shows and stuff, I feel like so many guys just say stuff for clout. Whereas Reddick I feel like actually is saying stuff that he means. So I respect him for that. Richard Jefferson's mad. like I don't really have a i don't really care for him that much but um i do feel like most espn broadcasts are usually pretty anti-honest they will focus heavily on his free throw struggles and you know oh he, he not shooting outside the pain and blah 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 and it's just like they focus on the things he's got to improve and the things he struggles with and it's like oh meanwhile he's got 30 20 and 10 like you know and so i yeah that always happens with the espn broadcast i love mike breen so is my favorite he's i think most people's favorite uh don't love. I'm just thinking. You know, if I thought my head. Don't love Doris Burke. TNT wise, I like. Um, who do I like? I don't even know who I like on TNT. Brian Anderson's pretty good. Don't like Stan Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy on ESPN's all right. I I'm okay with Jeff. He's a lot better than Stan. Um, Stan can't even pronounce Giannis' his last name, so um, just but, call
1: him Giannis, man. You don't got to add yeah. the last name. Just say Giannis. Like the, There's he, only one Giannis. saying.
2: He kept saying in one of the games earlier this year, I think it might've been the opening game. He kept saying uh onto the Quampo. Yeah. And I'm like, it. there's no cue. Like, what are you, yeah. what are you doing? You know, we've, it's been 10 years. Like yeah. you can get his name, right. Uh People hate Reggie Miller. I don't hate him as much as others. And part of it is I just like him as a dude. Like, I think he's kind of funny. I think he's cool, but I guess as an announcer, he's not, he's not the best. He's probably, you know, down there. Candace Parker, I think it is. I usually does yeah. TNT. She's good. I like her. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, my rundown.
1: So some of these tweets coming in, uh, Tim says, I could listen to Brian Anderson all day long. The best is Brian ragging on my son, in NBA 2k though. He gets so mad. Why is the Brewers guy telling me I suck? That is hilarious. I didn't know that was a thing. Brian Anderson gets critical in, in the NBA 2k games. I
2: don't even. I don't even play 2K. I just know they added him to it recently. It used to be other people, um, and then this. I think it's this year they started doing Brian Anderson. So,
1: well, I knew he did the game. I didn't know he got critical or whatever else. Uh, that that's pretty funny. I, I like that one. Uh, Greg uh, says favorite: Mike Breen, Kevin Harlan. Everybody loves Kevin Harlan. Yeah, Harlan's good. Harlan's good. good. Brian Anderson, right. Uh, least favorite: Doris Burke, Hubie Brown, uh, Stan Van Gundy. Your thoughts <laughs> on Hubie Brown? Hubie. i I, he's okay there's times
2: it kind of is game by game with him i feel like because there's games where you're just like this dude is you know he's got to hang it up like he's he's enough but then there's games where i feel like he at least is given some type of good insight um at least he's been around a while so he knows what he's talking about for the most part
1: yeah no question uh let's see uh let's see a couple other ones out here kurt says uh love breen don't care for jeff van gunny at all guys just all over the place and off topic Huge moment of the game, and he'll start rambling about the sandwich he had for lunch yesterday or something. Uh, That's Kurt tweeting at Nathan Marz on at Sparky Radio. Uh, Let's see. Andrew uh, tweets as bottom two. Reggie Miller at 499th and Jeff Van Gundy at 500th. So obviously not uh, a fan there. Corey, uh, Corey says, least favorite, Stan Van Gundy. Okay, a lot of people don't like Stan Van Gundy. I get it. And Ian Eagle, that combo, those two guys together, he doesn't like. Favorite is Breen Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. And I will uh, agree with Corey. I love, 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 love Breen, Van Gundy and Jackson. I love those three. Please never break them up. Leave them alone. Don't touch them and put them in glass and break in case of an emergency. Do not let them get away or break up. So that I love, I have no problem with the Eagle. I think he's wonderful. Um, so I, I like him. I get that you may not like Stan. Um, and that's fine uh, as well. I will say that, um, when Herb Cole owned the team, I felt like the Van Gundys were super always critical of this Bucks team. Now, they weren't as good either, but I felt like it was over the top. And part of that was, you know, Sam Van Gundy getting canned after one year with the Badgers back in the day after Stu Jackson left um, and holding ill will towards Herb and how that whole thing played out or whatever else. And then once that whole thing transitioned um, and the Bucs got going and Giannis and so forth, I don't feel like they're as overly critical of the Bucs. I think they're relatively fair. Uh, more times than not when we talk about those guys uh so i i'm down with that uh, the other thing i will say i don't like in general doesn't matter who it is i do not like all player broadcasts hate it please don't do it uh just let them have a play-by-play guy you can have two former players three former players i don't care uh, but I, I i want a play-by-play guy with all due respect just like i wouldn't want some random dude listening to this podcast to go call a bucks game tomorrow like no Uh, These guys get paid a lot of money. It's their profession. They do it. Well, let them, they do, they do their job. Do you like all player broadcasts when they do it? No, not at all. And I know, um, yeah, like on
2: NBA TV, I don't, does Chris Weber do TNT games? I think I don't like him very much. You don't like C web? No, uh, no, Chris Weber, Chris Weber,
1: Chris Weber, C web. Yeah.
2: Oh, I thought you said Steve Webb. No, C. Like, I Webb. I do not I don't. I'm like I don't know who Steve Webb is. <laughs> sorry, no, sorry, no, no. I misheard that. Um, but I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, before you said it yourself, Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson's the. If I had to pick one crew to, to you know, yeah. big game, give me them. Um, they, they're like they have a good combination of funny and yet they like Mike Breen is easily the best in the business. Like his, he just is has so many, so many iconic calls and always has. Um good ones. So I definitely have to go with those three as as my favorite. Overall, I do like as critical as they are sometimes of you know Giannis and the Bucks. Sometimes I do like the ESPN broadcast more than the TNT usually. Um, you know, that can vary. There can be some really bad games that I hate it, but I think especially when it's Breen and Jeff Van Gundy and those guys, I, I like it a lot more.
1: He is Nathan Marzian, Bucks super fan. You can follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Steve Sparky Fiber 1250. AM the fan. Uh, at Sparky Radio, make sure to check out my interviews I do during the week as well. If uh, you have your Odyssey app uh, every morning, normally a new one loads in or in the afternoon. Uh, Packer interviews, Bucks interviews, Brewer interviews, Badger interviews, Badger football's red hot right now. So lots of uh, Badger interviews uh, as well. So make sure to check those out, too. And then Curtin, Curtin uh, Long, Ryan Horvath and myself from BetMGM tonight. Uh, we do Curtin Long three times a week, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Those download at 5 p.m. Central Time if you want to check those podcasts out. Nathan Marzian, thanks so much. Have a good week, and we'll do this uh, again on Tuesday. Yes, sir. Have a good one.